So this is a story that I think most people are familiar with. The thing is, we're probably most familiar with it because of the title, the story of the prodigal son. Sadly, though, that anytime you name something in that way, once you give a story a title in that way, and let's just put it this way, that title of the story is something that we have put on it. It was not written in the text. It was not something that was laid out. Jesus didn't stop and say, okay, I'm going to tell the parable of the prodigal son now and begins to talk. It's not the way that it works. Different times and different places, people have added these headings. You've heard the story. You heard it spoken today, told. You've also probably known, heard about this before. So my question is this. Would you have a different title for this? Some different ones I might put forward. The story of the father and two sons. Not bad. How about the story of the disgruntled older brother? How about this? A parable of grace and rejection. That kind of focuses a little bit on both. I don't know, maybe this. Maybe just the, the parable of the dysfunctional family on Bravo this next week. <laughs> Do you guys have a title that you might place on this story? Because naming the story itself can set the expectations that we might have for it. It also exposes our point of view. I'm an older brother, the oldest child. So definitely, I, whenever I name it, I name it from a place of viewing the situation from that way. We always have to remember that when Jesus tells a parable, there is not just one meaning, okay? In fact, it's more important to think about who it is that he's telling the story to that helps shape what it's about. Maybe we could just call it the crazy family party. <laughs> I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about parties. Cindy called us this week, set up a party for herself for her 70th birthday. I mean, that's the best thing. I love it. I also, it's been interesting, as the son of, or as the, the dad of a three-year-old now, my son has never been to a friend's birthday party in his life, okay? Because what happened was, is once he turned, when he turned one, we had a little family get-together, and it was right around Christmas, and then right after that, COVID hit and shut everything down. So his friends that he's maybe been going to that he's been going to school with, the folks that he hangs out with here at, at church and things, no one's really had big friend birthday parties until this last month. Three birthday parties. He's not had one his entire life. This last month, he's been invited to three. The first two were outdoor ones, and we stood here like this. 
happy birthday to you. It was like freezing cold. It's crazy. These kids. And one, they're all trying to run around without their jackets on. And we're like, put your coat on. You're going to get sick, you know, saying that parent thing, you know. But this last one that he went to, he got invited to a princess party, okay? So we were excited. Beckett, going to a party, going to a party. Yes, we're going to a party, going to a party. So we put on his little dinosaur jacket, his little matching Nikes. He was ready to head off to the party. We walk in, and, you know, again, it's, we haven't been to a lot of parties lately. I don't know about you all. So in some ways, we forget that party etiquette. So we kind of come in, and, and Beckett, never been to one of these, we'd say, okay, now go over and tell the little girl, happy birthday, happy birthday. You know, these kids go to school. They'd seen each other the day before, but she goes up and says, happy birthday. He raises his head and looks out, balloons coloring pace things. There's craft projects to make a little tiara. There is, there is pizza over here. There is, there is water and juice boxes over here. There is decorations and people all over the place. We're like, how's he going to respond? He was all over the place. He felt very comfortable in the space. Let's just put it that way. But what was interesting is, is that in the midst of all of this kind of trying to get the whole lay of the land as he was running around, he kept his eye open and he saw one of his friends from school come to the party. Remember, he's just seen this kid yesterday. Parents bring the kid in, put him down. Beckett tears off. Kid walks in the front door, Beckett's right there. Arms around him. Oh, big hug. Parents are like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and then they tore off to go play, to run around. It's amazing. Beckett seems to be in his element in a party. <laughs> What kind of party person are you? Are you that kind of person? Ah, all over the place. Are you in the center of the dance floor? Are you comfortable in that little line there doing the dance and all that kind of stuff? Are you leading the Congo line? Or are you at the very back? Or maybe you're one of those that kind of has your back to the wall so you can see where everybody is and nobody, nobody sneaks up on you. Or maybe, maybe you're the party planner. That you make sure that everything is in the right place, that all the food looks just right, that it tastes good, you've maybe worked on it or you've ordered it, that the balloons are in the right place, you have enough stuff, everybody has everything that they need, there's ice in the cooler, you're always moving around, making sure that pictures are taken. I always like that person at the party that's taking the notes when the gifts are unwrapped, you know, so you know who brought what. Are you that person at the party? <clears throat> Now, when I was a kid, people would ask me, you know, well, who are you? I would say, I'm a PK, all right? Now, within the church, if I said I'm a PK, most people understand, that means I'm a preacher's kid, all right? 
Sometimes, though, people said, oh, you're a preacher keg or preacher, preacher's kid. You're a PK, a party keg. Because, you know, sometimes those preacher kids, they can get into a little bit of trouble. That was not me. I wanted, I mean, listen, I was a child of the 80s. I mean, all of our big movies revolved around some kind of enormous party in which the house was like utterly destroyed and people were like asleep in the front yard at the end of it. So I wanted to be invited to all of those enormous parties. I wanted to be set to hear, hey, the parents are gone this week. Chad, come on over to the party that we're having. I never got that invitation. I don't know if I would have gone. I like to say, you know, I probably would not have gone if the parents were not there because that's the right thing to do. But the fact was, I was never invited in the first place. But I sort of wanted to be. So most of the parties that I spent time in were like four to five other of my closest friends down in somebody's basement watching Monty Python or Saturday Night Live. I mean, that's just the reality. Our parties were more blockbuster movie. Blockbuster was this place that had, I should share this, they had videotapes. Big things that you stuck in there. And then you had to fast forward them and rewind them and all this stuff. I'll talk about it later. But that's what we would do. We'd go to Blockbuster, argue about what we should get, go back into somebody's basement and sit there and watch a movie. It's not real exciting. I was much more of a learned extrovert, I would say. Throughout my life, I've learned that you can't just go to there and just kind of sit to the side. I've always been now the person that kind of looks for the person that's on the side and goes off and talks to them. So I've been to my share of parties, especially when it comes to camp, when it comes to college, and, and also in seminary. I mean, there's nothing like a seminary rager out there, folks. I mean, come on. Talking theology and drinking beer. I mean, you start arguing Kant and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's crazy. But so I've, I've learned, I've learned how to be a part of a, of a party. And I've learned different ways. But I'd, I have to admit that if I go back, I generally find myself kind of off to the side. Maybe not far against the wall, but definitely not in the middle of it. What kind of party person are you? Maybe you'll tell me, listen, it's complicated. And that's what this story is all about, is complications all around. See, that's the thing that's interesting about all of this, is that there's so much that's going on in this story here today, and it really can resonate, I think, where we are within our world today, the complicated nature of it. This other day, I called one of my friends who I might have partied with once or twice in college, and she and I were chatting about where things were in this world and how we kind of exist right now in this, this high level of kind of stress. Um, she, uh, it, it, we're always kind of at like a seven or an eight, just with all this stuff that's kind of going on around in our world. And we started talking about some of this, and we said, the problem is, is that we just don't know how everything's going to work out. There's no real easy answers to the complex problems that we have in our society today. It's just difficult. 
And it's definitely that way with this story today. See, because it's not just as easy as this younger son picked up the stuff and and took his inheritance and went away. What's fascinating about this is is that back there in in these times, the older brother got everything when the the father passed away. The younger younger siblings got nothing. So first off, this gets complicated because the younger brother comes and says, look, I want my share of the inheritance. If the older brother was standing there saying there would say, well, <laughs> you can divide zero however you would like. Hey, let's double it, dad. Give him twice as much as he's supposed to get because I'm going to get it all. But no, what the father does is splits everything right down the center. An older brother knows that's not fair. The older brother. But no, the father splits it and gives half of everything to this younger brother. Now, part of that is beautiful and wonderful. It's neat to see that that in that time and place that the father shared things equally with the sons. I would have liked it if the women had gotten half of a share as well, you know, and they could have divvied it all up. But no, okay, at least there's this. So it's a little complicated. And so then it talks about how this younger son then goes off to a distant land, okay? Now, what's interesting, what's complicated about that is that it's really not a distant land. What it is is he goes over to another region, but they call it a distant land because there are people who are different than them who live there. And so it's not as, just as much that this younger son, this younger brother leaves the house It's that he goes someplace to be with people that are different than their family. It was not a traditionally Jewish place. It was a very diverse area. The diaspora is what it was called back then. A place where all kinds of different people lived and moved. And so it was almost like a rejection of the heritage that they had and an embrace of the beauty of the diversity of the world. And there's, then there's this fact of what, what actually happens to the family that's left behind. So the father has divided everything up and so then has given the younger son his share of everything and the older son then got everything, okay? So it puts the father in this place that it, he's not in charge anymore, Okay? The younger, the older son now owns everything that they're living on. At least that's the way it should be. It does seem like the older son is out there working the land, is working with the um, the estate and making sure that everything happens. And the and the father is just sitting around on the front porch, hanging out. I mean, is. Is the father there every single day waiting for the son to come back or just hanging out, drinking lemonade? I don't know. It's complicated. And then the son comes and the father runs out and takes what is not his anymore and starts giving out best robes, best rings and things to this son who has left and has nothing now and now is getting more and decides to throw a party with the fatted calf that's not his and get this Did you guys catch this or not? 
The older brother is not even invited to the party. They have enough time to go out, find the fatted calf, kill it, and cook it. Anybody kill, cooked a full calf? I should ask Mike. How long does it take to cook, to cook a whole hog? Long time. <laughs> More than 15 minutes. You don't just put it in the microwave, heat up the, you know, the fatted calf microwave dinner, hungry man meal, with a little brownie on the side. No, you don't just do that. I mean, it takes time. you got to get the fire going, the coals and everything. you got to clean and take care of this whole thing. All of this stuff is happening. Everything is going around, and nobody thinks, you know, we might want to invite our other son. That's just rude. And it's complicated. So you can understand when the son comes back and says, wait, one of my calves has just been killed. My brother's wearing my best outfit, and he's got the family ring on, and no one thought about even inviting me. This is complicated. And then the father comes out pleading with the son, I want you to come in. You obviously didn't want me to come to the party in the first place. That's like giving an invitation with the wrong address. Oh, I must have gotten lost in the mail. Where do you find yourself in this story? Who do you find yourself siding with? Who do you find yourself kind of identifying with or maybe feeling for in the midst of all of this? And where is God? Remember I said that parables are not always about the story itself, but who they're told to. Who is it that Jesus is talking to? He's talking to a diverse group of folks. He's talking to the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He's also talking to his disciples that are around him. He's also talking to tax collectors and sinners that have gathered around that he's eating with. Jesus is in the midst of God's people. And it's here, it's here that Jesus delves into the complicated realities of relationship the complicated realities of what it means to live together in a diverse and in a very sometimes convoluted experience of life in which people are living out who they are day by day. Incredibly flawed humans trying to do the very best that they can each and every day and struggling, sometimes making wonderful decisions, sometimes plotting and just trying to get away from the responsibilities they have in life and other times feeling like they're just stuck and doing the right thing over and over again in the midst, just trying to find a way of living and loving. It is here 
with this diverse group of people all gathered around listening to Jesus. That Jesus tells the story of a party where everyone is there. And here's the deal. No matter if you're the person that's in the center Dancing up a storm, sweating, just enjoying everything. Whether you're running like crazy all over the place, from cupcake to pizza to hugging your friend to doing whatever. Or maybe it is that you find yourself most comfortable on the outside in a chair just watching everything unfold around you. Or maybe sitting off to the side having a conversation with one person that you meet Everyone is welcome at the party. (coughs) And you're already there. God, God does not leave anybody out. That is what God's grace is all about. I am glad that you are here at the party today. Come here. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.